0: This is Wicket's World with Mike Wicket on 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. On a Friday, happy to have you. Thanks so much for uh, letting me be a part of your weekend. It's good to be here. Good to be back once again from last week. And uh, we have got lots of good news. Baseball is back. Hooray, Kira. I know that you are very happy. You're the one that sent the email to the staff (laughs) yesterday. Baseball is back.
1: (laughs) I'm just glad that it's not up in the air anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because
1: that makes all of our jobs easier. Well,
0: the hard part was that I think the biggest thing that... Hold on, I'm tweeting out that I'm live on the air. (laughs) Live. I didn't do this 10 seconds ago. (laughs) Radio. Okay. Okay. Can't even... There's not an F in that word. My hands are so cold in the studio. Okay. So, I think baseball finally came to an agreement on day 99 yesterday. And and props to the players' union for... I mean, the players didn't get a whole lot out of this. Uh, The executive committee, and I don't necessarily know the difference between the executive committee and the rank-and-file players, but the executive committee, the people that were elected, voted 8-0 against the proposal... That came down from the owners yesterday. Or the latest one that was, you know, discussed and negotiated by the owners. But then the rank and file, like the rest of the league, came back and they voted like 26 to 4 in favor of it or whatever it is. All the owners were in favor of the owner's uh, offer, obviously, and we get baseball back. The rank and file generally consisted of and has the best interest of the top earning players... In in, the, in, the, in their, their uh, you know what am I trying to say? They usually have those guys' uh, desires at heart. They think what they're doing is is best for the, the the little guy, the the minimum salary guy. But the truth is, the minimum salary guys aren't the ones like Max Scherzer making one hundred ninety thousand dollars a day. Now, baseball players still make more money than you and I and most human beings on, in America will ever make, and on this planet, you know, they, their minimum salary was 500 and some thousand dollars 24 hours ago. $500,000 a year is the minimum salary. Now, it's been bumped up to over $700,000. You know, for a lot of guys that were like, no, we need to keep fighting this, we need to keep fighting this, we need to keep fighting this, they're the guys like Garrett Cole who have $300 million, $400 million contracts. And they're the ones that are like, no, keep fighting. Meanwhile albeit, and again, everything in perspective, a half-million-dollar-a-year salary doesn't spread as far as those guys that make $37 million a year. So all the rank-and-file guys got together and said, no, wait, stop. we got to get to work. We, we have to play these games. Um, and, I, and I applaud the players for standing for what they believed was right, Again, they didn't make a ton of ground in this new deal. There, you know there, there are a lot of numbers and wages and salaries and luxury taxes and percentages and all these things that we don't care about. I don't care about the luxury tax. I don't care about what the owner of the Mets has to go into his fourth tier just to be able to play ball because he's worth like 80 bajillion dollars. I'm a guy that likes to go to a ball game. Have a beer, or three, four. have a hot dog, or two, and watch baseball. That's all I care about. I, I'm a guy that'll turn on my TV on a Saturday night and flip on, I'm a Brewers fan, flip on a Brewers game and watch Milwaukee play the Cubs or play the Cardinals for the 9,000th time by the time we get to September. That, I don't care about what's going on with the owner and the tax bracket and the TV share and the market share and the revenue share. Fans don't care about that. This was such an ugly process, 99 days, and it gets done yesterday. And I think at some point, I believe baseball looked itself in the mirror and said, we can't take this PR hit. We have to get something done. And the owners gave an inch. The players, I mean, the players took it up the tailpipe once again. They get a little bit. They got a little bit. They got some crumbs. But the owners run this thing. As always, but remember last week I did a poll question, and I told you, Kira, you know, how devastated are you about the, about the lockout? This was a week ago, and I think the numbers would have changed if we got close, if the agreement never happened and we got deeper into April. But I said, how upset are you about the lockout? 10% were devastated, meaning 90% were like, meh, or couldn't care less. So I did another poll question today. Because one of the things that... The most intriguing thing, I think, to me about the agreement, because we're still a ways from baseball, and that's the thing. We're still way away from baseball. We got spring training games start next Thursday or Friday. Opening day is April 7th. It's March 11th right now. But the exciting thing to me is free agency, because there are 122 Major League Baseball free agents. Freddie Freeman, Carlos Correa, all these great players still have to figure out do they go to Florida <laughs> or do they go to Arizona? Where do they go for their, for their spring training? Are there going to be trades? Are there going to be deals done? Because all of this has been in limbo. Now, I would be sh- shocked if agents weren't talking to teams off the record at cocktail parties and whatever else for the last 98 days. You knew that was part of it. And teams had to be talking off the record about trades going on. You know, we're going to get to Russell Wilson. It's not like that Russell Wilson deal from Seattle to Denver came down within the three-hour window after Aaron Rodgers made his announcement. All right? That deal's been in the works for weeks. Just like a lot of deals you're going to see in the next week have been discussed, negotiated, have been going on. So my latest poll question, follow me on Twitter, at Mike Wickett, two Ts. Which one interests you more? NFL free agency? or Major League Baseball free agency. And the gravity of both are so big. NFL free agency opens. One player can change a team's future. Change it. I mean, look, at all of a sudden, Russell Wilson goes to the Broncos. People are thinking that's a Super Bowl contender, whereas four days ago, when Russell Wilson was still a Seahawk, they were fourth place by a long shot in the AFC West. Major League Baseball Free Agency, we're about to be hit with a storm of signings. Just a monsoon of guys getting signed up. So which one interests you more, NFL Free Agency or Major League Baseball Free Agency? You can vote, follow me on Twitter at Mike Wicket or follow us at DSM. I retweeted it from the station site. Kerry, I know you're not a football fan, you're a baseball fan and a hockey fan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, what do you think the percentages are? Remember, this is the day after the lockout ends. This is when the floodgates are about to open. Which interest do you think most most of my followers on Twitter more, NFL or Major League Baseball?
1: I honestly think it's split. It is. Pretty
0: close. 67% of my followers are more excited about NFL free agency than they are about Major League Baseball free agency. And I don't know what that says, but it's a little (laughs) eye-opening. Yeah. It's a little bit eye-opening because we've had basically no movement on the lockout for 90 days. The last week and change, we've had little movement, little movement, little movement, canceling games, a new deadline, opening days getting pushed back. We're going to tack on these games at the end of the year. Now here it is. We get the green light. And still, most people are excited about the NFL free agency. And that's just where the NFL is at. That's where Major League Baseball is at. But 67% at last check are more excited about NFL free agency than they are about MLB free agency. I think what most people care about is when the games begin. And that's spring training. And, of course, here uh, at ESPN Des Moines, we'll have the Chicago Cubs for you all season long. We'll have the sounds of Pat and Ron, the voices. I don't know what our spring training schedule looks like. We're all working very, you know... As details come about, we'll bring them to you. But I think once we get to April 7th, that's what people care about. What is the product going to look like on the field? What are the changes that are actually happening for Major League Baseball? Well, the universal DH is here. You'll never have to see Justin Verlander swinging at a pitch ever again that he's got no shot at hitting, which accounts for about 99% of all pitchers. Some pitchers rake. Otani won the MVP. I get it. He'll probably hit in a lot of games this year for L.A. But the universal D.H. is here. And call me a curmudgeon. I'm generally not old school, but it comes to certain things. I hate the universal D.H. I think it takes the strategy out of it. I would much rather see the National League brand of baseball, but that's gone. One of the reasons... It's because the universal DH extends careers. You got guys that can't play the field anymore. You got big, fat guys, old guys, guys who are never unilaterally quick, who specialize in just hitting the snot out of the ball as a DH, like Nelson Cruz. The universal DH is here because it gives more opportunity to more guys to play the position. And any risk of a pitcher actually making contact and having to run all the way down first base, possibly blowing out his ACL, possibly uh, jamming a pinky on his throwing hand when he's squaring to bunt, even though that's not how you bunt. But you know what I'm saying? He could, they could clip the ball, could clip the fingernail of a pitching hand's middle finger. That thing bruises up. It pops blood inside. Boom. That pitcher's on the DL for a month. (laughs) Okay. And all of a sudden, that's the reason for the universal DH. The expanded playoffs, they're adding two more teams. This is to combat tanking. If you have two more teams that think they can still, or they there are two more spots, I should say, if there are two more spots for teams to get into the postseason and maybe go on a magical run, look. The Braves weren't world beaters by any stretch last year. A couple of years ago, when the Nationals won the World Series, you remember they, they played the, uh, the the COVID year, started it after 60 games. The year prior, when the Nats won it all, had they played after the, the final, they just played out the final 60 games or whatever, the Nationals wouldn't have been in the playoffs after 60 games. So this is to expand the playoffs, to give a couple of more teams reason to keep on playing, and to curtail Tanking. They're talking about a draft lottery as well, like the NBA, where you, just because you have the worst record doesn't mean you're automatically going to get the number one pick. You get the most ping-pong balls to be drawn out, but it doesn't guarantee anything. I think you need that. I think there are 12 teams right now that know they have no shot, zero chance of winning the World Series. And they're going to put out a lineup to appease fans. They're going to keep youngsters down in the, the, uh, the minor leagues because they don't want to start the service time clock on those guys anytime quick. But they, the draft lottery is something in 2023, I believe. We'll see that. Big fan of that. I don't mind ads on uniforms. Soccer teams, NASCAR, they've been doing it for years and years and years. I'm totally okay with that. Your new season is going to get extended three days in October. We're going to get... So these first two weeks, we're going to add games on those last three days. We're going to play extra doubleheaders, even though owners hate that. Sorry, owners. You don't get to double charge for parking. You don't get to double charge for attendance. I can't imagine there's anybody out there that's going to sweep out, clear out the stadium. But it probably will happen somewhere where they'll do an early doubleheader game. we will play like a noon game and a 7 o'clock game. They're going to make everybody leave. Some greedy SOB owner will do that. Give people what they want. You know, right before we came on the air, Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, was apologizing. He apologized to fans. Do something nice for the fans. You know, give, play those double headers without clearing the stands. And again, I don't know how many teams are actually going to do that. We got rid of game 163 as well. I loved game 163. If we needed to get there, they're not doing that this year. And that's out for, what, five years? This agreement is five years long. Whereas if there are two teams tied at the end of the, the, the season after 162 games, they'll play game 163, the winner gets in. No, they're going straight up with the tiebreaker system all the way down. Best record, best division record, best, uh, you know, in the best league record, whatever. I could bore you with all of that, but I'm not going to do it. So we get baseball. One thing I'm glad we're not going to see real quick. I know we've got to get to break Kara. We're going to see this in 2023, and I don't like it. They're banning the shift. They're going to ban the shift most likely in 2023. I hate that idea. If you can't hit the opposite way, maybe you've seen the famous video of Joey Gallo from the Yankees where they had six guys on the right side of the infield and nobody at third and nobody at short because he's a dead pull hitter. That's the shift. And what did he do? He laid down a bunt that shot through where the third baseman was supposed to be, scored a run. That's smart baseball. Why are we taking that away? You know, the analogy people are saying is what if the NFL took away two high safeties because quarterbacks were having trouble breaking that? It's chess. You make a move, I make a move. You make a move, I make a move. You make a move, I'm going to counter with this. Banning the shift is the wrong thing to do. Well, Wicket, you know, they just basically are hitting into six guys over on the right side of the field, and it's boring. Learn to go the other way. It's a fundamental of baseball. You know why I never played baseball well past Little League? Because I couldn't hit the opposite way. (laughs) These are professional hitters. Learn to go the other way. And then I think we're going to get bigger bases next year. Not this season. I think the bases are going to be expanded to entice more teams to run, to keep more runners on base, because, again, they need more runs. Baseball needs more runs. They need more action. They need more scoring. I'm fine with a 1-0 baseball game. But, Kira, we talked about it. You're young. You don't like 1-0 baseball.
1: Well, hang on now. Hang on now. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Hang on. I don't mind it. Like, I don't hate it. Cause that's, Are you entertained by the it? game.
0: Well, Are you entertained by it? No.
1: But, but I do know that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's just the way baseball is played. I think...
0: You're a Cardinals fan.
1: Yes. Yes, I am. I think that a lot of things, not just sports, are being made way more easier than they need to be made. And I don't get why. That's it. (laughs) That's all I got. (laughs) Are we
0: oversimplifying things? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, they yes. will, by the way, I forgot to mention this. the runner on second base starting in the 10th inning, that's gone. Thank God, fans hated that. Most fans hated that uh, that because now you listen, if a game goes 16 innings and last five hours, a game goes 16 innings and last five hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also those double headers we talked about before, they're going to be nine innings. They're not going to be in this. You know, candy ass seven inning doubleheader games anymore. Doubleheaders will now be nine inning games. Whoa! Whoa! Thank God. <laughs> like, can we just? This is this is all sim- common sense stuff. A lot of this, and a lot of it. Then some of it I don't like. Again, I don't like the universal DH. I, I hate the fact that they're going to seriously consider, or it's already in play, to shift, abandon the shift in twenty twenty three. I don't like the idea of larger bases. Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's because be it's a game of inches. So now if you're, you know, the bag is like this. Can't see this unless you're watching on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page. Bag is like this. Now the bag's going to be like this. And there's more for the, the defender to cover. There's more of a spot for that guy to be. I mean, imagine Rick. What would Ricky Henderson do with a bag that's the size of Wyoming? He would have stolen 400 bases in a year. Baseball's back. We'll have all the games for you, Chicago Cubs fans. Pat and Ron, opening day, April 7th, we'll have some spring training games for you as well. So uh, stay tuned right here because baseball back is a good thing. Coming up, the biggest story in the National Football League happened earlier this week. It involved a quarterback going from the NFC West to the AFC West. That's next. Like ESPN Des Moines on Facebook and watch Wicket's World live in real time. This is 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. You know, sometimes you get sucked into uh, watching random videos. I don't know why, but sometimes I get sucked into watching videos about Florida. And, and, and I, have you seen the meme of there's like a giant snake halfway up a... I'm talking a big-ass snake halfway up a door. Oh, yeah. And someone says, this is why I live where the air hurts my face. Is, mm-hmm. Like, when I see a giant snake up a door, I'm like, I don't mind living in the Midwest where it gets cold and the wind chill is 30 below. I'm watching this video um, from Florida, <laughs> all right, of a woman... Paddleboarding, she goes into where alligators are. I'm not sure if she planned on doing it, and then this gator swims up to her boat. What would you do at that moment?
1: Uh, try my best to ignore it. Just, just uh, look away.
0: Can the gator try not su-
1: to panic? Can
0: alligators swim fast?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Like, can I outswim a gator? No. I'm an average swimmer. No, they're that fast? I don't even, I, I have so. no idea. I think so. No clue if I could swim faster than an alligator. I don't know. But you know what she does? <laughs> Please
1: stop. Please stop. She go tells away. it to go away,
0: she swears <laughs> at it, and then she uses her paddle and just pushes it away. And the thing floats away.
1: <laughs> well, it, I don't know. I don't
0: know what I would do, but I first off would not put myself in that position. I'm not going through the Everglades. Oh, I, it, Wouldn't
1: it, you though?
0: She's at a state park, and she this thing. I mean, it looks beautiful. The water looks really nice. Yeah, it looks great. <laughs> Gator just swims up to her boat, and she's like, "Eh, get away." <laughs> I'd be. I would. I would pee myself. This
1: says a lot about I mean, us or, as or people. I,
0: <laughs> I would be rowing as fast as oh. I've ever rowed in my life until my arms fell off. But then, I don't know where I would. go. There are so many reasons why Florida is the worst place in the world.
1: Do you want a quick scary fact about the Everglades? I
0: would love one, Kira. They
1: are the only um, federal park area that has not been fully like mapped out and explored. Because the terrain is too... Like, I don't know how else to describe it but wishy-washy it's too volatile oh so people can't traverse the entirety of the everglades there you go kids
0: here's your <laughs> fun fact from kira here on espn des moines it's wicket's world i'm mike wicket that is everglades insider kira
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you never know what you're gonna get on this radio program you on 1021 fm and 1350 espn des moines by the way kira do we have bass we have Lots of basketball this weekend, right?
1: Yes. The uh, Drake women are at their uh, tournament. Oh, the Arch. In the Heartlands. Arch. Okay. Uh, Okay. Got it. This is in Moline.
0: Yeah, this is not uh, the Arch Madness the men get. This is not. Okay, got it.
1: Uh, They won their game last night. Go Bulldogs. Okay. Uh, So they will be playing tonight. Coverage starts at 530. If they win tonight against Missouri State. Okay. Uh, they will also play tomorrow at 3.30. All right. Then after that is the championship. If they get there. If they get there.
0: And we've got some ACC tournament action for you all weekend long. It is March Madness going on. Um, Iowa State got bounced in the Big 12 tournament yesterday. They got bumped by Texas Tech. Seems like the season that started out so hot, so hot, for Iowa State is falling with a whimper. Like 7-10, and ten, and they're 7-11 in the Big 12. They got rocked by uh, Texas I mean, Texas Tech's good. They're 14th in the country. They always play great defense. They limited Iowa State to uh, 20% shooting from three. Isaiah Brockington uh, yesterday finished, what, three of 16 from the floor. So now they await their fate. Last bla- uh, well, they await their fate. Last bracketology I saw was Iowa State as an eight-seed against a uh, nine-seeded Marquette out of the Big East. Meanwhile, Iowa crushed uh, Northwestern 112-76. Keegan Murray had 26 and 8 boards. They get Rutgers today. That's coming up in a half hour. So as soon as we're done, you'll be able to turn on your TV or whatever and watch the Hawks take on these Scarlet Knights. Uh, Rutgers has beaten some teams this year. Rutgers went into Madison and beat Wisconsin earlier this year. And Wisconsin's really good. Uh, They right now, by the way, the Hawkeyes projected as a seven seed currently in the last bracketology I saw a couple hours ago, uh, taking on projected 10 seed Miami in the Midwest region. By the way, Iowa and Iowa State both in the Midwest region, which means nothing like it used to mean at all. It used to mean more. They've changed it for travel restrictions and making travel easier. This was pre-COVID, not even COVID related, uh, that they did all of this stuff. So the madness is in full swing. By the way, next weekend, March 17th, 18th, 19th, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Coles Commons Hoops and Hops. We've got all kinds of fun stuff for you downtown. If you want to uh, stop on out and wear your Iowa or Iowa State colors, depending on when your team plays. Uh, we got got beer trucks. We've got the uh, Iowa Craft Beer, Iowa Distillery. We're going to have all kinds of food trucks. There's basketball courts, so if you want to hoop it up, you know, if you want to carry, you want a ball,
1: we can. <laughs> One, one V one.
0: You and me go one on one at, the <laughs> me, at the
1: Coles Commons. All of five foot three versus how tall are
0: you? Six two. All right. A six two. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's going on Coles Commons. It's the fifth annual Hoops and Hops next Thursday, Friday, Saturday. St. Patrick's Day. Woohoo! Uh, speaking of St. Patrick's Day, I don't have time to get into Russ real quick. I, I do want to get to Russell Wilson, but I'm not going to have time before the next break here in what, two minutes? So I know what you're wondering. You've been wondering it since I walked in. What am I wearing right now? Um, If you're watching on the video, get that right, um, I am wearing a black t-shirt and in sparkly green, it says, not all Karens suck. So we are doing a, um, (laughs) we're doing our fundraiser over on Laser 103.3, where I do the morning show with my partner, Heather. And we have been raising money for the walking Fed, for the Iowa Food Bank. And so we're taking donations, and last week was Challenge Week. We did a whole bunch of stuff to raise money for the Food Bank of Iowa. You know, 300,000 Iowans deal with food insecurity. Thousands of them are kids right here in Des Moines. And so um, we were accepting donations to do stupid stuff. Like I did the Hot Chip Challenge Heather and I jumped into Gray's Lake and did a polar plunge yesterday when the wind chill was 10. Still haven't quite thought out. But one woman named Karen donated money, but the challenge was I had to wear her not-all-Karen-suck shirt and post it on social media, which the photo will go up on the Laser 103.3 Facebook page. But I thought, why not wear it while I'm on ESPN Des Moines? So that is why, no, it is not a sparkly Packers shirt. It is not a sparkly St. Patrick's Day shirt. It is a not all Karen suck from a woman named Karen. That's what the T-shirt says. So does that explain it? Does that make you you understand now? Does that work? Okay. Good. Good. That's where we're at. We'll get to Russell Wilson next. You're listening to Wicket's World on 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 102.1 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wickets here on Wickets World. So, um, the big story of the week in the National Football League, uh, well, two quarterbacks, three quarterbacks, I guess, if you want to include Carson Wentz. But two quarterbacks made headlines this week. And that was Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers, going back to the papers, does not surprise me. We don't know the details of his contract. We don't know if it's one year, two years, three years, four years. We have no idea. Uh, he goes on the McAfee show, and he's saying he's coming back, and the rumors from Ian Rapaport and Adam Schefter, four years, $153 guarantee. Uh, we don't know anything about the details of the contract yet. We have not heard any of that. It wasn't news to me that Rodgers was coming back. If Aaron Rodgers goes to the Denver Broncos or if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Pittsburgh Steelers or whatever, that's like the lead story for the entire summer. Sorry, baseball. That's the lead story at least for spring for six weeks until we get into the doldrums of summer and we start firing things up towards training camp. Rodgers going back to the Packers. I mean, as a Packers fan, I feel like I've seen this show before. They franchise Devontae Adams. I have no idea how the Packers are going to pull any of this off. They're so far over the cap. I've already talked about it a million times. If you want to check that out, podcast, ESPN, Des com. Carson Wentz, I guess I should mention it for a couple of third-round picks, gets sent from uh, Indianapolis to Washington. He's never, the only point I've ever seen about why success will be had by Wentz in Washington instead of, you know, where he was at in in Indy, he's never had a receiver as good as Terry McLaurin. Now, granted, in Indy, he had the best running back he ever played with in Jonathan Taylor. He had a real good defense. He had a good offensive line. He had okay receivers. They are fine. They weren't great. Terry McLaurin's better than any receiver probably outside of the one real good year of Alshon Jeffrey that he had in Philadelphia. But this this just feels like a different Carson Wentz. It feels like a broken Carson Wentz, a guy who can't give you consistently good performances in December. I mean, there was a time this last season, I think Wentz went like six straight games with multiple touchdowns and one or fewer interceptions. But then you saw he had two chances to clinch a playoff spot and couldn't get it done, including a loss to freaking Jacksonville. And when Frank Reich, who is his boy in Philly, is like, nope, we're good. And I don't know what their plan is. And I'm going to get to that coming up at the end of the show today. That's how you know that something's wrong with Carson Wentz when his boy Frank Reich signs off on sending him away for a couple of third-round picks. And now he goes to, to Washington. Like I said, he's got McLaurin. He's got a stud running back there in Antonio Gibson. Uh, they, they've got good tight ends. Should Logan Thomas stay healthy? If that defense can regain the form from two seasons ago, that's a re- uh, that, that, that's a team that could challenge Dallas in the East. I have no... No clue what you're going to get out of Carson Wentz most weeks. I think I know, but I have no idea. But the big story was the Russell Wilson deal and and Russell Wilson getting traded for a boatload of stuff. It was a Russ and a fifth or Russ and a fourth to the Denver Broncos. And Denver didn't give up all that much, I didn't think. I mean, it was a ton. It was a lot. It was a haul. But I still don't feel like Denver gave up all that much. They gave up two ones, two twos. Noah Fant, who's really good, real good tight end. That second, maybe that second tier of tight end. You know, you got your elite tight end class with Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Mark Andrews, George Kittle. There's your big four. Then there's a drop off. And I think that's probably where you would put Noah Fant, maybe. That second, third tier. You know, guy who gets you six, seven touchdowns a year with the right quarterback. Too bad for Fant. The right quarterback is the guy coming in, but he's the one leaving town. And they send Drew Locke, who's a bust. They send Drew Locke to to Seattle. Maybe Drew Locke can figure something out in, a, in a, with a change of scenery. Who who knows? But this deal has been going on for a while, and there are probably some minutia things and moving guys around, and somebody else got traded too. But the big the big move here is Russ getting out of Seattle in a move. A year later than when everybody thought he was going to be on the way out of Seattle. Remember last year? It was Rust to Chicago, Rust to Chicago, Rust to Chicago, and it never happened because they wanted, what, three or four first round picks for Russell Wilson? And there's no way the Bears were a quarterback away from becoming a contender in the NFC, even with Russell Wilson. But Denver, Denver knew with the roster they have, with the top 10 defense they have, with the studs they have on defense, with the bevy of wide receivers that they have, with the two running backs that they've got in Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, they were a quarterback away. They really were a quarterback away. And this deal, like I said earlier, this deal didn't just happen within the three hours after Aaron Rodgers goes on the McAfee show on Tuesday, and says, I'm staying in Green Bay. I'm working on a a contract. I'm going back to the Packers. That didn't turn the switch on where the Broncos are like, hey, let's call Seattle. No. When you're talking about moving a guy like Russell Wilson, you're talking about a guy that is coveted, that is going to take a lot to get out of Seattle, and the compensation has to be right. And there were at least two other teams that Seattle was talking to. One of them was the Washington Commanders, who wound up with Carson Wentz. And I've heard two reports. One, Seattle wasn't going to trade Russell Wilson to a team in the NFC. And two, I read that Russ was not going to waive his no-trade clause to go to Washington. He's become a West Coast guy. You know, he stays in the AFC West now. So did, he, did it come down to the other team... Pittsburgh, who is maybe a quarterback away, and Denver. And then what was the deciding factor? Did they go to Russ and say, these two teams have offers we like, multiple picks, we're going to do for you what the Lions did for Matt Stafford a year ago. Stafford goes to the Lions and says, trade me. I don't want to be part of a rebuild. I can't do this. I've still got some good football left in my career. Get me out of here while I can still go to a contender and have a chance at winning a Super Bowl because it's not going to happen in the next couple of years in Detroit. And he was right. And the Lions did it. And it worked out pretty well for Stafford. Goes on to win a Super Bowl. I think, personally, those similar conversations were happening when it came down to the two teams that gave the offers out of the AFC. Denver and Pittsburgh. And I do believe that Russ wanted to say somewhat out west. You know, it's not west coast. It's mountain region. It's a two-hour flight to Seattle. If his family's... I don't know what Ciara and the kids are going to do. I imagine they move to Denver. I would imagine. But he's going to have connections to Seattle probably for a while, business dealings and whatever. Um, so he's, he, he, I'm guessing he wanted to stay more west than go all the way across the country to a place that he and his family know nothing about other than road trips and probably hanging out in New York, because that's what rich people do. <laughs> All right. We don't do those kinds of things. We're not rich people. So I, the, the deal happens. He goes to Denver. He has to know, by the way, and everybody has been talking about this, so I'm not breaking this down for the first time. But if you pick Denver, you are picking the toughest conference... I'm sorry, the toughest division in the tougher conference in the entire national football league the afc west is insane right now with mahomes and the chiefs with herbert and the chargers now with russ and the broncos and the raiders made the playoffs despite all the crap that happened last year with their head coach getting the or head coach getting the boot with henry ruggs killing someone on the vegas strip with uh, uh the the safety who got into legal trouble All of that said, Derek Carr kept that team together. Darren Waller got hurt the final six weeks of the year. I know that because of my fantasy team. Don't sleep on the Raiders. I can actually see a scenario, because the AFC is so good, you can see a scenario where the Broncos don't make the playoffs. And if the Broncos don't win a Super Bowl after going all-in, like this in the next two or three years with russ i think he's got two years left on his deal probably gets a mega contract maybe it's to stay in denver who knows but if they don't win a super bowl in this two-year window doesn't it feel like this was all a waste because of everything you gave up two first round picks two second round picks a future stud young tight end a couple of late round picks or whatever it was I and mean, they got to win, and they're in position to win. The problem is, everybody in the AFC West is good, and the rest of the AFC is so good. I mean, power rank the quarterbacks in the AFC. This is not a ranking, this is just me rattling them off. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Mahomes, Herbert, now Russ, Carr. I don't know who I'm forgetting, but there's some serious talent in the AFC. Let me just go down my list real quick here, make sure I'm not forgetting. I mean, the Titans are really good. Tannehill can be good, but Derrick Henry is, is the beast. Oh, and Burrow. Shh, forgot about Burrow, the quarterback in the AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Meanwhile, power rank the quarterbacks in the NFC. It's Rodgers, Dak, Kyler, Stafford. That's it. Power rank the teams. It's the Rams one, Packers two. Big gap. Cardinals aren't, aren't really a factor. Cowboys aren't really a factor. Nobody in the NFC East is really a factor. Like, the power shift is so tilted right now towards the AFC. And what Russell Wilson has decided to do is go to the, the, the Denver Broncos in that tough division. And it really... It's so interesting, too, about what now this means for the upcoming NFL draft and what happens next with all of these quarterbacks. Like, I don't think... Seattle's planning on going to battle with Drew Locke. I feel like that guy's going to get cut immediately. Who wants to go to battle with Drew? And I don't know their backup quarterback. I have no idea. Can you look that up? Seattle's backup quarterback? Can Google tell me? Hey, Google. <laughs> Will it turn on? I don't know. I, th- I think is-, is it the dude that was at West Virginia, the Jets drafted, whatever that guy's name was? I think he was the the, the backup in, in Seattle last year.
1: Oh, what's his name? Hey, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Hey, Siri.
0: Kira. Sorry. <laughs> never mind. That's all right. So, uh, I'll find him. <laughs> so so what's, what Russ decided to do is shift, is, is just put his finger even more on the scale, tilting it towards... The AFC. Geno Smith. Yes, that's him. That's the guy. Jets drafted him in the second round about five, six years ago. He's been bound. So right now, the Seahawks are going to battle with Geno Smith and Drew Locke. They got an injured running back in Chris Carson whose neck is messed up. The defense is depleted. They're horrible. The Jamal Adams trade was a disaster. Seattle looked at their situation and said, we have to rebuild. We cannot keep spinning our wheels with an unhappy, disgruntled Russell Wilson throwing to, behind a terrible offensive line to D.K. Metcalf and Tyler Lockett sometimes. So they made the move. Metcalf, by the way, has to be one of the most upset NFL players in the league. He just lost his stud quarterback and now is either going to have Geno Smith throwing him one hoppers or Drew Locke overthrowing him by 16 yards. Lockett's on the trade block, too. They're, they're, they they got to go full rebuild. They're not in any condition, any place to compete with the Rams and the Cardinals in the NFC West. And who the hell knows what the Niners are going to look like with Trey Lance, at quarterback, uh, coming up this season? Assuming they move Jimmy Garoppolo. Because there are a lot of quarterbacks that are still out there. A lot of quarterbacks that are still out there that could be acquired via trade or free agency. We're going to talk about those guys, the NFL draft order, probably the entire offseason, right? I mean, you got Wentz is gone, Russ is gone, Rodgers is gone, off the board. Who's left? Well, Deshaun Watson's out there. You know, if Deshaun Watson gets cleared of all this sexual misconduct stuff, somebody's going to give him uh, make an offer to Houston. Somebody will do it. Jimmy Garoppolo, is that your guy? Is that the dude you want? Tyler Huntley, Lamar Jackson's backup in Baltimore, look pretty okay. My guy Jordan Love, will Green Bay move on from the failed draft pick and try to get maybe a third or fourth rounder for Jordan Love, who, by the way, is younger than Kenny Pickett? The QB1 coming out of the draft this year, and he's got two years behind Aaron Rodgers with Matt LaFleur. That's somebody I would look at. Won't cost you much. Take a gamble on a young dude who's got two years of NFL schooling, who's handled some incredible pressure. Then there's Colin Kaepernick. Cap, according to sources, is in the, quote, best shape of his career and ready to play. I am telling you right now, no one will sign Colin Kaepernick. That ship sailed. All right? I think what Colin Kaepernick did was was incredibly admirable. I love all of his uh, social justice Stuff that he is doing, all the fighting he's doing for inequality and racial injustice in this country. I'm a big fan of that. Colin Kaepernick did not get signed. Not because of the fact that he couldn't play. Colin Kaepernick did not get signed because no team at that time, in 2016, 17, 18, nobody wanted to deal with the off the field stuff because it's about money. Because fans would have stopped. Some fans would have stopped buying tickets. Some fans would have stopped buying jerseys. Some fans would have protested. And you know what looks ugly on game day? Protests. Some fans would not have been thrilled with their team signing Colin Kaepernick. I believe he could still. I don't know if he could still play now. But I believe Colin Kaepernick could have played three years ago. And been a fine backup. Or, I mean, the dude went to a Super Bowl. Played on some bad Niners teams after that. But he is the name that is being rumored out there. I will be shocked if anybody signs Cap. We'll run through some of these other options for you as well. And maybe my. We always like to say we know when we look inside numbers. That's what we do on the radio and the print guys and all these guys. But coming up, an interesting statistic of all 32 teams in the National Football League last year that will tell you there's a heck of a lot more than just one way to skin a cat. Wicket needs a timeout. He'll be back soon. You're listening to 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. 1021 FM and 1350 ESPN Des Moines. It's Wicket's World. I'm Mike Wicket. Don't forget, coming up tonight, 5.30 for the broadcast, 6 o'clock for the tip, Here, Drake Women's Basketball in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Should they win today, they will play tomorrow in the semis. 3 o'clock, is that what you said there, Kira? 3 o'clock tomorrow? And then the championship, should they get there, would be on Sunday, right here on ESPN Des Moines. And of course, coming up, we will have baseball. The baseball season will actually happen, opening day April 7th. Here are all of the Cubs games, right here on ESPN Des Moines. So, Walter Sharp, who is someone who breaks down football at a real nerdy level, he has a... carrot uh, this is a ridiculous looking chart, right? This is... Yes. So, basically, since 2010, Walter Sharp has broken down uh, the rank of all the National Football League teams by early down pass rate, meaning on first and second down, how often are you passing?
1: That's very specific.
0: Well... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it really is, because the, the National Football League has changed. From back in my day, you know, I'm 40 years old. I'll be 41 coming up next month. Um, there was a run-first league. And over the last 10 years, it has gone completely a different way. You still have to run the ball. But you see guys in the National Football League, and the league is responsible partially for this, you just see guys throwing for astronomical numbers, what Patrick Mahomes is doing, what Josh Allen is doing, you know, Rodgers over the last couple of years, Brady into his 40s, all of these guys throwing for crazy numbers. Partially because the NFL's defense, the, the rules, cater to the offense. But these quarterbacks are more talented now than they ever have been in the history of the National Football League. Passing offense, wide open, horizontal movement, deep threats. It's genius. It's chess. Defenses can't keep up with it. And teams have figured out, ever since Bill Walsh's West Coast offense, for the most part, that a three-yard pass is as good as a three-yard run. That was never the case in the 60s and the 70s and the early 1980s until Walsh and Montana took over. Roger Craig invented being the pass-catching running back. You know, before there was Christian McCaffrey, there was Roger Craig. You young people may not know that name, but it's okay. And now more than ever, you see teams throwing on first down. I swear, if if you threw on first down, Vince Lombardi would have pulled Bart Starr off the field. All right? So the rankings came out, and this should not surprise you. Uh, I'm going to read off the top ten, but it shouldn't surprise you who's number one. Who threw the ball more often on early downs last season? Kansas City. They've actually been number one for the last five years. And the one year they weren't number one, they were number two. No surprise. That's Andy Reid. That's Andy Reid's offense. Straight up West Coast. Obviously now looks a lot more sandlot. But what he was doing with Alex Smith and the pieces they were acquiring and the stuff they do with Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and whatever running back they're, they're dealing with, You don't see them running the ball very often, and they certainly do it less on first down than anybody else. Number two, Tampa Bay. They've been in the top five the last four seasons. Only two of those are with Brady. But last year they were number two. And again, this is the rank of early down passer ratings by by season here. Um, Buffalo is three, no surprise. Chargers four, Rams five. Rest of the top ten, Raiders, Ravens. Dolphins, Cardinals, Packers. The interesting thing about that to me is I'm like, okay, because I would love to see Roger my, as a Packers fan, I would love to see Aaron Rodgers throw the ball less. I want to see A.J. Dillon hammer the ball more. I want to see Aaron Jones with the football stuck in his belly more. So I'm like, okay, let me take a look at that top ten. We go, one, two, three. Six check that, seven of the top ten teams that throw early in series made the playoffs. Kansas City, Tampa, Buffalo. The Rams, the Raiders, the Cardinals, and the Packers all made the Super Bowl, or all made the other uh, playoffs. The teams that didn't, the Chargers, they were close, lost that last game of the year. Miami, who started way behind the eight ball, won in seven and then won seven in a row. And then Baltimore, who lost their quarterback. Theoretically, nine out of the top ten could have made the playoffs. And I'm thinking, okay, well, let me look at the bottom of this. The teams that play the old school brand of football, who hammers the ball earliest. Bottom five, it's actually bottom six because Chicago and New Orleans tied for 27. After that, it's Philly, San Francisco, Houston. And no surprise to anybody who's watched the Titans play, they throw the ball on first and second down less than anybody else, but it's because they have King Henry. But you look at that bottom five, hell, the bottom four, three teams made the playoffs. So you've got seven of the top ten teams that throw a lot early, and three of of the bottom four... That throw the least on first down made the NFL playoffs. Everybody else is somewhere in the middle. <laughs> everybody else just throw it up and somewhere in the middle. You know, Patriots were 25th, Colts were 24th, Panthers were 22nd. Like everybody else is just somewhere in the middle. I, I feel like I could talk about this, kind of gets really into the nerdy stuff, into the minutiae of statistics and analytics and stat that. And I'm not much of a stat guy, but I started to think about it. And my guy, Jacob Morley, who writes for uh, one of the Packers blogs, he set me up or he hit me up with a tweet I thought, which was pretty interesting too. And this is where my train of thought immediately went. And it's the idea that crazy how there are varying levels of success across the board, almost like it's not more important to run the ball or pass. It seems more important to know what you do well and do that thing. I mean that it it, it it I would love to dive into all of these statistics from Walter Sharp who went into this. Because what would Kansas City who has I guess you just look at the quarterbacks for all of these teams, right? Like you look at the teams in the bottom half that run often, they do what they got to do. Philly made the playoffs. Jalen Hurts, we don't know what his what his future is going to be. San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo, but they have a bevy of running backs that they could hit you with all season long in that Shanahan offense. Tennessee, I mentioned Derrick Henry. You know, if he doesn't get hurt, does he win the MVP this year? And Ryan Tannehill's not a world beater. Garoppolo's not a world beater. Jalen Hurts not a world beater. Other side of the coin? Well, you've got so much talent at the quarterback spot in the NFL that it's no surprise that teams that throw more than they pass on those early downs, it's no surprise of the success that they have. And I know we were talking about quarterbacks a second ago and who's out there. And here's the full NFL draft order right here. Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, Jets, Giants. There's your, your, your first five. A lot of those teams in the top 10 that are drafting, top 11 that are drafting, they need to find a quarterback. Because more times than not, in today's NFL, the teams that throw the ball often, early, Go to the playoffs. Seven of the top ten plus the LA Chargers who were this close of going to the, uh, the the postseason. Where did Cincinnati rank? That's an interesting one. Thirteenth. What it tells you too is this there are more than one way, there's more than one way to skin a cat. I mean, you've got the Rams, who were fifth on this list, and you know if you watch the Rams game, they rarely ever ran the ball early. Meanwhile, the Bengals, who have Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow, they were gonna be a team that more than most were gonna throw, but still handed the ball off in those early downs. After reading this and, and, and thinking about it for the last couple of weeks, or the last couple of weeks, last couple of hours, I don't know what the right answer is. You know, I, I don't know what my conclusion is out of all of this. Feels like I'm making my own head spin just looking at it. But I know there are a lot of teams in the National Football League in a year where the NFL draft is a down year are trying to figure out, where do I find my Mahomes? Where do I find my Josh Allen? Where do I find my Herbert? How do I acquire my my Matt Stafford? That's what Denver did. They tried forever to get their young quarterback in the draft. Never worked out. So they went the route that the Rams went, and they brought in Russell Wilson. Where do I get my car, my Rodgers, my Kyler Murray? My Tua. Well, that's what the NFL draft is for. But the the top of the draft is so interesting, too, because of this. You think Jacksonville's looking for a quarterback at one? No. They drafted their quarterback last year. Is Detroit going to look at a quarterback at two? No, I don't think so, because this year's draft does not, the, 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 the quarterback class doesn't warrant taking a guy at number two. Now, granted, there's the old adage, if you need your guy, you want your guy, you go get your guy. If Kenny Pickett's your guy, you take him at two. But they're going to take either the tackle that Jacksonville doesn't or Aiden Hutchinson. Houston, do they need a quarterback? Maybe. They kind of like that Davis Mills cat. The Jets took Zach Wilson. The Giants are going to go one more round with uh, Danny, Danny Dimes. Carolina spent a lot to bring in Sam Darnold. Like I can see there being no quarterback in the first six. Giants have the seventh pick. Nope. Eight Atlanta. That's where it could get real interesting because of Matt Ryan and his $42 million cap hit or whatever. Draft coming up next month. We got March Madness between now and then. We got baseball. Is that it? Show flew by. And thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for watching. Thanks to Kira for keeping us on the air. Nothing gets me more fired up than Billie Eilish, let me just tell you. (laughs) Have a good weekend. We'll do it again next week. This has been Wicket's World on ESPN Des Moines.